Welcome back to the show. My name is Carter Melrose, and this is the two amigos. Jorge, welcome back. Dude, we're back. We're back for season number two of many, many seasons. We're not buying into Tua leaving the Dolphins. Or inside sources with Chan Gailey have said that's a lie. Um, so, <laughs> okay. yeah, it's exciting to be back, man. I am. And obviously, this is Super Bowl week. So, we'll, I don't know. At the end, as if we, we care too much about, uh, like, who wins, I guess we will do some, some of that pick as well. Sure. But sure. this show is going to be obviously kind of uh, just – I want to do a little bit of a recap of the Dolphins season, what we thought a little bit then – we're going to do some Dolphins headlines, and then we'll go into the, the, the bread and butter, the, the debate of the show. And obviously, there is no point on doing a uh, Dolphins podcast right now if we're not going to talk the quarterback position and, like, what's happening there because it's freaking me out. It's freaking me out. Uh, uh, you, you don't even know, Jorge. Look, there's no reason to freak out, Carter. First of all, I, I love the idea about the recap because I think we left it with a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of season one. You know, we the Dolphins <laughs> were out of, of the playoffs. We were very sad, very disappointed. And, uh, and yeah, now, now we're, we're back. And honestly, look, I don't think the Dolphins are going to trade for Deshaun just because I think they are more than one player away from building a serious contender. And they okay, don't we'll, want we'll, Yeah. We'll pause on that, Jorge, because let's, let's go into that. Let's start off with the uh, dolphin season recap because like you said what we did is we did like every single show and then <laughs> obviously we were planning a playoff show uh right before the bills game yeah then you just kind of get throttled and you and i both kind of were done with social media yeah. and felt like we just need to take a little bit of a break we need to take a little bit of a step back uh especially with just things happening in america as well yeah. so this felt like the right time to come back right before the Super Bowl. And then we can talk draft stuff after the Super Bowl. But what did you think about this season? We ended 10 and six. Ton of people were disappointed we didn't make the playoffs. What do you think? Look, I, I think no one had us at 10 and six before the season began. Let's be honest. No one had us there. Okay. It was a good season. Uh, I've seen a lot of trashing against Coach Flores on social media, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. And I will fight anyone that wants to trash Coach Flores. Um, and I think it was a good thing. I mean, we turned the worst defense into a top 10 defense. Yes, they got absolutely destroyed by the Bills, but I think that was more of a mentality issue than performance and talent-wise. I think the offense added some key pieces that are going to continue to develop. I think Miles Gaskin, your guy, Miles, was really, come on, mm. was really come, uh, coming on strong at the end. Mike Gesicki is, is, I think, a real playmaker now. Uh, and, you know, Tua came in. Uh, we didn't expect him to play so early. He did. And, you know, he's now going to have a full off season, not only to, you know, actually work on football and not rehab, but actually learn from the things that he did wrong and just become a better quarterback going into next year. Yeah. Uh, like you said, I mean, I think that's kind of the two fields of thinking right now is either, okay, this was a successful season because no one expected us at 10 and six. And then the reverse of people saying you can't, uh, we, we've been mediocre for so long. You can't just always allow them to be mediocre. And yeah. I, and I, I come a, usually like we say, we normally disagree here. I, I agree with you here though, uh, that this season was so fun. I had the time of my life 
winning 10 games with this team. And if you look at this, uh, you look at these games, probably game to game, you'll probably start to realize that we didn't have a lot of good wins this season. I don't, I don't think we were that legit and that's okay. We weren't, you know, a top eight team, a top seven team though. Uh, when you, when you see the arrow pointing in the right direction, uh, it definitely feels good. So, so I will say this, I think, you know, we, we shut out the jets uh, in the first game. We only gave up three points in the second game. Uh, we went and we bit Justin Herbert and the chargers, which I love because there is no fan base. I dislike more right now than the chargers fan base, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I will crash them every single week of the 2021 season. That's just a warning. Um, yeah. You know, we went to Arizona and beat a, a hot Cardinals team and shut down Kyler Murray, who, by the way, wasn't the same after that Byron Jones hit for the rest of the season. I will just put that out there. Uh, right. We, we beat the Rams. We went to San Francisco and put 40 points up on the 49ers. So, you know, I think I'm, I'm not I, – I think Robert Sally was a great hire by, by, by the Jets. I'm not at all concerned about what Florida is going to be able to do to that defense up there. Um, but, you know, I, I think everything kind of – went sideways when you give 56 points up to the Bills with 30 of those points, around 30 of those points, coming against their backups. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and like we just kind of talked about, um, we, we did. We beat one playoff team. And I'm only saying that because I want the expectations to be where they should be. I yeah. think 10 and 6 is overachieving. It's not underachieving. So that's very, very exciting. And I, I will say this to those saying that, oh, we've been mediocre for so long. We cannot allow them to be mediocre. What do you think was going to happen? That we were going to win five games and then we're going to go to the Super Bowl next year? It's a process, guys. <laughs> I know. I mean, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, if you blow the whole thing up every two years, then you're always going to be a mediocre team. The Dolphins are, for the first time, I think, in a very long time, building a really strong foundation with this program, and I'm all for it. I, w- I thought it was really funny that uh, a lot of people were like razzing Jamal Adams because he left the Jets. He was making a huge deal about uh, leaving the Jets so that he could play one more game and lose in the first round, like just yeah. in an awful fashion. And yeah, that's yeah. definitely what the Dolphins would have done. They would have lost in the first round. That's fine. Maybe they would have won. Maybe they would have snuck one out. Uh, but potentially they probably would have lost the first round, if not the second round. And then we would have just had a worse draft pick. So right now, looking at it this way, uh, it's kind of optimism. Okay, so let's go on to the Dolphins headlines. And then we have, of course, our bread and butter debate coming up a little later. So uh, the OC has been chosen, and it's a co-OC, yep. and it is George, George Godsey and Eric Studsville. What do you think? So I think, and I, I said this to someone on Twitter yesterday, I think the title of offensive coordinator under Brian Flores is basically going to be a title and nothing else. I mean, they brought in Fry for the, the coach Fry. He's going to be the new quarterbacks coach to work with Tua from college. He's going to have input into the, that, you know, game planning. And honestly, what, what what I think it's going to be, it's going to be Eric Studsville is going to be in charge of the running game, deciding the run plays. Gutsy's going to be in charge of the of the uh, air, uh, the passing co- coordination, passing plays. And then Coach Flores is going to basically pick, and I, I'm almost sure it's going to be Gutsy just because he's got the experience. Although I I personally would give it to Eric. Studsville, um, and he one of them is going to have to make, call the place. But I think what Flores is going to do is Coach Flores is basing it off on what Bill Belichick did at the beginning of the Patriots dynasty, and that was we're all going to build up the game plan in as a team, and then my vision is what's going to funnel 
what's going to happen out there. I think he trusts Josh Boyer after a year of basically being co-defensive coordinator with him enough to give him the defense. I think by the end of last season, Josh Boyer was basically making all the calls in that unit. And now Coach Flores is going to be able to, to do that thing. That's that same thing with the offense now. So honestly, I have to come from a point of view that offensive coordinator really means nothing to me specifically as like, I'm not, uh, you know, the X's and O's, uh, you know, genius or whatever like that. So I don't really understand what this decision uh, means other than the idea that people in-house who have probably influenced the playbook in some way are just still in-house. I don't really, and I want you to help me with this idea is that how does this change? You know, where is this playbook going to be different than last year? Because, you know, as, as much as you, you hate, hated the former OC, he had a ton of experience and obviously influenced the coordinators in some way. So how is this going to even look different? What do you think? Yeah, so I think, I think we have to look at the Charlie Fry hire uh, coming in, and I think that's going to be a new voice in that room. Second of all, um, whether Gutsy or Coach Stutzville wanted to go out there, and if they disagreed with Changeli, uh, they, they, they could do nothing about it. And we heard about uh, from Coach Flores a number of times. And when you go back to his press uh, conferences after the games that were criticized from uh, you know offensive standpoint, uh, I think you heard that he was unhappy with the tempo. He was unhappy with the lack of creativity. But he couldn't go out and you know throw Gailey under the bus. I mean, I think you know when you've got a, a coach that has that experience, there's there's a certain degree of respect that comes with it. And I think that's why he was asked to resign basically at, at the end of the season. Um, so, so I, I think that we're going to see new concepts. I think we're going to see a lot of what the Chiefs do, for example, a lot of motion, pre-play, a lot of quick throws, RPOs for Tua. And I mean, it's also going to depend on the upgrade to the skill positions that we're going to see in the upcoming months. So, yeah, that's the only thing I really ask is that if we're going to go the Tua route, which I think we are, then you better believe that it needs to be catered to Tua. It needs yeah. to be catered highly to Tua. And obviously, the you know, Gailey from last season was not committed to doing that, right? And obviously, he was given a starting, core, uh, starting quarterback uh, that he worked with a, a lot. And obviously, that offensive system was, uh, was, you know, kind of established that year for a reason. I totally understand that. Uh, but we need these in-house people to really, really cater to Tua, and I'll be happy. That's all I care about, and giving him that shot. That's all I care. Yeah, I think, I think, and I think that's what Dolphins are going to do. I think they're going to go all in on Tua and say, look, last year it was a year that we didn't expect to go to a playoffs. It was a year for you to take some hits, uh, you know, metaphorically and literally on the field and outside of it. Yeah. You've learned. You've seen how toxic this fan, fan base is. Now you have got to prove yourself, go out there, and execute. And this is now two of You got that right. Okay. So let's talk some senior bowl then, because I don't know the exact score of the senior bowl, but I do know that uh, Flores' team won. That's all I know. Am I that correct? They, that they did. That they did. And it was 27 to 24. And I know our guy, Hussein, was all over it. And uh, he's been doing some great job scouting positions and, you know, putting out that content for, for Finn Maniacs out there, which is going to be great. Um, and I, I mean, I, th- I think we saw basically the Dolphins giving it the Stutzville gutsy tryout for, for that game. It worked. 
Um, I, I thought they, they had a lot of talent to work with. And I, I do think that we're going to see a number of the players they coached in the Aqua and Orange next year. Well, obviously there was a, you know, a ton of those late entries of those Alabama players. And you're thinking, okay, well, you know, Flores wants to work with these guys. And obviously these Alabama players want to work with Flores. And, you know, that is something that I am super anti for the upcoming draft, but that will be in a later episode. So So any final, did I hear that correctly? You're anti-Alabama. I'm not anti-Alabama specifically. I'm just anti, like, of course, if we're going to take one of these two players that has just been on the minds of us all for a long time, we're going to have to pick them high. And I just, I am not a skilled player in the first round type of guy. Let let me say this and and, and just take some of the hits for you. Um, I would not pick Devontae Smith at number three. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness you're on that page. And, and I'm going to tell you why. I mean, the kid's great, okay? He says all the right things. He, he loves football. He's the kind of player that the Dolphins like. But you can, I, I believe in Bill Purcells. I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. You know this about me, Carter. And there's, yeah. uh, there's, you know, you've got the metrics but for what you're looking for positions. And then when you start making exceptions to that, then soon enough, your team builds on exceptions. So... I think he's a great player. I would probably pick him later in the first round, but I would not pick a 175 pound white receiver at number three to be your yeah. guy. If, if he was going, yeah, if he was going to an offense, say for example, the Cardinals, I'm just going to say the Cardinals uh, with sure. DeAndre Hopkins on the other side, for sure you pick him with your first pick because you've got that guy on the outside that's going to get the double coverage, that's going to get the folks of the defense and that's going to allow Devonta Smith to do what he does. But if you... Ah. If you bring a rookie in and you don't have that guy upset him and don't say Devante Parker because Devante Parker and any other team would be a number two receiver and you make the your number one option and you start and then the defense starts shifting to him and just think about Belichick. He's going to press him on the line. He's going to double him up with safeties and they're going to jam. He's 175 pound frame at the line of scrimmage and they're going to take the timing out of two of reads. So if, if we trade down and we get an extra pick and then he's still there, for sure, go get Devonta Smith. But I will say this and I will bang the table. I am opposed to picking Devonta Smith at number three. That is so great that you opened it up with that so that I didn't have to take any of the slack. Because I've been, you know, I've been kind of silently having that opinion for a long, long time. Is I, I'm just not a big guy. And I've talked to you about this as a wide receiver in the first round. I don't like any wide receivers in the first round. And I did a lot of research on this and I'll probably release a article later on it closer to the draft. Uh, but I was also trying to do a kind of a fluff piece on why Devonte Parker is a bust. And I, and I did the research and it came back that he, he probably isn't a bust depending on the, you know, first round pick standards. However, he is definitely um, just, performing almost you know super mediocre compared to all of them yeah the one thing i have to say absolutely yeah i couldn't agree more with that that's why i say he's 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 a number one on i think 25 of the nfl teams right and this is for many many reasons and one of them being that you know he when he's on the field he usually has something he's dealing with injury wise a hamstring something like that that you know and even at full strength that we Let's say we've seen him at full strength. He hasn't uh, he hasn't been able to be that guy. Like in the red zone, 
He drops a lot of passes. He's also not a go-to player. So I totally agree with that. And I think it's awesome that you're throwing shade at Devontae Parker. Let let me say, I'm not throwing shade at Devontae Parker. I like Devontae Parker. I respect him. I respect him as a competitor. Um, And I, you know, I hope that any player that listens to us, anyone in the organization, any fans that listens to us, that you have to understand, we're not attacking these guys personally. We're not saying the bad guys, not all, but I think that if we are going to do this serious analysis of the Dolphins, we have to say where we're not as strong as where we should be. And wide receiver is one of those positions. Okay. So that's a perfect segue to our next headline. And this one's kind of a small headline and it happened maybe, I don't know, last week, two weeks ago. But it's something interesting. So uh, did you see the T.Y. Hilton uh, to Miami buzz? I did. I did. Thoughts on it. That. I saw the eyes, the, the, the emoji eyes that he put out there as well. Um, and I, What I mean, do you think? He's, thir- he's 31? Look, I think, something uh, like that. I, I think everything I know about T.Y. Hilton is good stuff. I think he would help what is going to be a, a very young wide receiver unit next year. I think his veteran presence could help Tua. He's seen it all. Uh, he, you know, he played with some great quarterbacks down in Indianapolis. So I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him. And I would rather bring T.Y. Hilton in than Juju Smith-Schuster. Really? Even with the, the age gap there? Yeah, but I, and I'm going to tell you why. Juju specializes to play in the slot. And I do think the Dolphins, for all the trouble they had at the wide receiver position, have found their slot guy in Lynn Bowden Jr., um, I, honestly, I like the guy. He, I think he's a big play waiting to happen every time he touches the ball. So I, I'd love to see him develop a second year with, with Tua and have, it, have them grow together and then bring, uh, you know, I, I would definitely bring in a veteran white receiver and then I would definitely draft a white receiver as well or two in the draft. So you're fine with T.Y. Hilton coming in um, and then just and drafting as well? Is yeah. that your kind of plan? Yeah, and, and just going on the draft and, and what we were talking about earlier with Smith, I will tell you this. In my big board, I've got Devontae Smith as the fifth best wide receiver in the draft. Uh, I've got Jamar Chase as the number one. Everyone forgets about him because okay. he's out that, that season. You know, I, I've, I've got Bateman as at my number two and Waddle as my number three. And any of those guys I would pick uh, early in, in the draft. I, I personally love it. I, I personally, and I think T.Y. Hilton wants to be in Miami. So we'll see, but I would personally love it. And then all, obviously drafting as well. Uh, the problem I have is that any rookie is just going to take a little bit longer to start up. That necessarily doesn't always uh, happen with wide receivers and running backs. They usually can get started a little quicker than quarterbacks and you know positions like that. But I do want a veteran on this team that you can say, okay, this guy is going to get 800 yards or something yeah, like that. Absolutely. And that'll be T.Y. Hill. So, absolutely. all right, let's go to the bread and butter. Let's do a debate on two amigos. And this is about Tua. So I think we should go for it. Uh, we have three options this offseason. Most likely uh, we have, you know, keep Tua. And that's something that <laughs> – this this show is probably a pro version of uh, the second one is draft a quarterback at three and then I don't know do what you want with Tua or keep both quarterbacks and the final version of this is trade Tua and every pick that you have for Deshaun Watson what do you think uh, the Dolphins should do what do you think they do so okay so, so let me put the general manager hat on and I was seeing your day that the Houston Texans are asking for two ones, two twos, and two starters on defense, two young starters on defense. All right. 
So let's assume for a second that the, 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 the people that, that's, that Texas are going to ask for, it's going to be Saving Howard for sure. He's your best cornerback. And then the rest of the options, it's either Jerome Baker, Christian Wilkins, uh, Raquan Davis. Only there's not a single guy from there that I would trade away from this defense. We finally have a young defense that's well-built for the future. Don't mess with it. Bring, bring one or two more players. I think we're a linebacker and a safety away from being an elite defense. Um, and I, I wouldn't trade that for Deshaun Watson. Now, if the Texans came back at me and said, look, Deshaun wants to play in Miami, and what's your best offer? I would say take 18, take my first next year, take my two next year, and my second this year that was originally from the Texans. And I'm keeping number three. If that's the deal, I think that's a very good deal, and you have to take it. But I don't think you can deal without without three. Yeah, and that's the thing. The, the Texans are never going to allow that to happen. So, and here's here's the, the debate, and, and I put this on Twitter, and I've been very careful not to take sides. But the real debate is: you have in Deshaun Watson a known entity that's a top three quarterback right now, and you've got with Tua the most dangerous word in sports potential to get there. But I think Tua is going to get there. I think he might not get there next year. It's only going to be his second year, but I think he's definitely going to be in that conversation by his third year in the league. So having said that, I'd rather build around Tua and give him a goddamn fort in front of him with the best offensive line that we can get and then just let him go to work and get him a, and get him a good running back because I know you love Miles Gaskin in this show. I know he's a great guy. <laughs> I, I know he's a solid running back. But he's not a game changer. But if you get me Najee Harris to play with Tua in that backfield, now that's a pick that I endorse. I will not keep going on the show if you're going to bash Miles Gaskin. Okay, he is a bona fide superstar, and uh, I'm going to stick by that. So the, the thing I have to say though is I do agree with you. After you uh, drink a little bit of vodka, I know it's water. <laughs> okay, but I will agree with you that I want to keep Tua, uh, and I know that there is. There is so much uh, around this narrative of getting Watson. And I know it's not just that the Dolphins want a, you know, franchise quarterback this year. It's because we haven't had a franchise quarterback for, uh, you know, it feels like centuries at this point. I totally understand that this is a bigger conversation than is Tua a franchise quarterback. I think a lot of the fans don't care if he is. What they want is a franchise quarterback right now. And I, I understand that based on the world that we live in, Watson would give us that. But I'll tell you right now, the minute we have this franchise quarterback, our, our cap room's gone. Yeah. Our defense is a little bit in peril. We're going to have to start cutting some of our best players. And we're not going to build uh, this super team that it looked like we were going to. Exactly. And with Tua, what I think we can do uh, if we play our cards right, is end up exactly like the 2013-2014 Seahawks. I think that is exactly where we're going. If we can put it together. I, I actually did some research on this team because right when we drafted Tua, I was thinking, if we can do this, uh, we will be fine. So do you remember 2013 Seahawks, what they had go for, what they had going for them, Jorge? So I'm actually doing research because on the 2013 Seahawks. Yeah, well, they're, uh, they were the team uh, that Russell Wilson won his first Super Bowl, obviously. Yeah. And I think well, he only has one Super Bowl, but yeah, uh, and, the, the and, next and, year... Uh, yeah, and let's remember, it. it was built around a strong running game, a top defense, and then just 
having Russell Wilson take what defense gave him because they were trying to shut down Marshawn Lynch. Right. Okay. And what were the three, do you, can you name one wide receiver on that, that Super Bowl team, that 2013 Seahawks team without looking, I don't know if you're looking name one of the wide receivers. I am looking, but uh, no, I could not mention a wide receiver without looking. Okay. So obviously the one that everyone knows about is Doug Baldwin, though. He only had like 750 yards that season. I don't think a single wide receiver on that team even reached a thousand. The second one is Jermaine curse. And the third one is Paul Richardson, not a single playmaker really on this team. To be honest, they ran the ball really, really well. And curse was the tallest wide receiver at six feet tall. What I can tell you about this is that their offensive line was uh, gargantuan. It was so good. Marshawn Lynch had holes for days. And what this team did, obviously, as you know, the Legion of Boom, they had an amazing uh, secondary like we have. Also, they had uh, great linebackers that can really lay the boom. That was the whole idea. That's something that we could get in this draft if we didn't go after a uh, you know, 140 pound wide receiver with a third overall pick. I think it's interesting. What do you think? Yeah, and I, I also another thing that they had there uh, was a top defensive line that was able to rotate in and out and still generate pressure. And another thing that I loved in that team it was their fullback. They had a fantastic fullback. Let's remember the Dolphins actually caught Chandler Cox, one of my favorite players on the team, before uh, the end of the season. So the Dolphins have no fullback. And I mean, we, we, we know coach Flores and we'd love to have him on the show at some point and ask him this, but I think he's an old fashioned kind of guy. I think that if, if you told coach Flores that he's going to be able to run the ball for 150 yards every game and just run it down their throats, he would take it in a heartbeat. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I, th- I think that if, if we really, and that's what, you know, in, in my ideal mock draft, we're getting a tackle in the first round, we're getting a guard in the second round and we're getting a center in the third round. And then, and I've got names for those guys, by the way. Uh, I want to hear him. Christian Derisot is my number one tackle uh, in this class. I know everyone loves uh, Sewell. Honestly, I'm not high on him. Um, I think Vera Talkers later are all better than him. Um, I want Wyatt Davis at offensive guard, and I want I want I want Creed Humphrey as as my center for the next ten years. And see, all of those players would probably contribute to this vision that I kind of have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that uh, you know, your playmakers don't really, uh, I mean, like Doug Baldwin's a good playmaker. And I think the playmakers on our team need to be upgraded a little bit, maybe tweaked, yep. add T.Y. Hilton, something like that. But Tua is, could, is probably already what that 2013 Russell Wilson could do. Yep. I mean, he threw for, I'll, I'll tell you Russell Wilson's playoff stats in 2013 and 2014, when they went to a championship and lost, when they should have won that one. And they won a Super Bowl. So they were uh, just obviously a dynasty at that time. He threw for 208 passing yards per game, 1.5 touchdowns per game, and 0.8 interceptions per game. So there alone, you realize that he was just a game manager, and Tua can do that. Tua can already be that. I promise you he could throw for 200 yards a game and almost two touchdowns per game. I know that he can do that. And if you build this team, you get yourself a running back, you you plug in some of that offensive line, and that elite defense, maybe just get one or two more players. Yeah. This team, on a rookie contract for Tua, could go to two back-to-back Super Bowls. Agreed. I think so. Agreed, agreed. And uh, look, the Dolphins are going to be the ninth team with the most cap 
next year. They're going to have 25 million available. But let's also remember that the cap's actually going to go down. So these are all estimates. I mean, the cap's going to go down because of the COVID, uh, loss of revenue for the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's, you know, and right now you've got two players, your two cornerbacks account for 15% of your cap for next year. So Byron Jones is going to account for 8.8%. Yeah. Uh, Steven Howard is going to account for 7%. And Calvin is between them at 7.3%. But you know who the fourth guy is? And you're and I'm going to ask you here, Carter, if you think he's worth it. And again, we're not trashing anyone. I'm just asking a factual question. Sure. The fourth guy that is that has the highest percentage of cap for next year is Devante Parker. That's 5.78%. So obviously you asked me this because you don't believe that he's worth the fourth overall. I, I so I'll I, let you open up. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he he's worth. I, look, Devontae Parker is is a, is a nice player to have as a number two wide receiver. I think a number of teams, if for example, you send Devontae Parker to a Cardinals and the Cardinals are happy and Devontae Parker is happy. Why? Because he's not pulling in double coverages because they're already focusing on the Andre Hopkins and he's going to be able to do what he does best, going one on one, boxing out a cornerback and catching the ball. But in a team when he is the only offensive weapon on the outside, because don't say Mike Gesicki, because he plays inside. When he's the only guy that can do that, honestly, you're putting him in a position to fail. And he's also not in a position where you bring in a wide receiver at number three that's going to get double coverage. Then you're going to hurt that wide receiver. So honestly, I, I don't think Devante Parker is suited to play for Tua. So... The, the two things that I would say are attributes for a number one wide receiver, and you can have either of these for me, is like just completely glue hands. And I'm going to say this, Devontae Parker isn't glue hands. Or the second one is a some yards after the catch. And uh, Devontae Parker, I don't think uh, <laughs> I don't think I've even seen him get a yard after uh, any catch in his entire career. I know that's an exaggeration. He is just he is one of those jump guys. And if you're going to be one of those, like you said, box out jump guys, you got to catch everything. And he yeah. obviously doesn't do that. So that's my, my problem here is that you're paying him like a number one because you drafted him like a number one. And then also because you're like, you look at him and at practice and he's, you know, six, three, and he can run a four, four. He just doesn't have it though. And I, and I hate to say that because he has, he has all the potential in the world. It seems yeah. like. Uh, but Preston Williams came in and can basically do the same things he could in yeah. year two. And also, by so, Williams also had much better chemistry with Tua, which was very obvious to anyone watching the games. And uh, honestly, I think Preston Williams has more of a yards after catch potential. And the way I look at a wide receiver core, there are three guys that I would keep, keep from last year. Preston Williams, Lynn Bowden Jr., and Malcolm Perry. I still think that Malcolm Perry can be a very, very nice part for this offense and be that Julian Edelman for the, the, the Edelman was for the Patriots. Uh, that being said, there's going to be decisions having to be made on Albert Wilson, which I think if he's back to his, you know, 2018 form where he was basically, you know, carrying this team, then he's, yeah, a, he's a perfect guy for Tua because he's a yards after catch kind of guy. But if he's not there, then I, I don't think, I, I don't see how he stays with the team. Alden Hearns, I think he is a, a solid contributor, but that's it. And you're, you're looking for guys that are beyond solid. So honestly, I think wide receiver is probably after offensive line, my number one need in the offseason. 
well, I mean, we've been talking about it for months now because even in season, we could tell that it's like, okay, well, I mean, a lot of people are saying like, oh, well, maybe Herbert's better than Tua, but really at the same time, we were saying none of our wide receivers can get open. So I totally understand that. And we will keep you updated, of course, as we go into uh, more like draft talk, which I think the week after the Super Bowl. So next week, we're going to go into full draft talk. Don't you think? Yeah, it's going to be draft talk. It's going to be free agency. I, I think we're going to see more movement in the trade market. You know, Matthew Stafford's already been traded. Um, and, and look, listen, I, I'm glad he's not with the Patriots or with the Jets. Um, I, I wouldn't put it past the Jets to actually go for Deshaun Watson, which means that he's going to have a worse team that he had in Houston now. I know. That's the thing that I never understood about Deshaun uh, saying that his number one team was based on the coach. And I totally understand that a good coach is important, uh, but really he lost in Houston, I think more because of the talent and less because of the coaching, in my opinion. And now he's going to go to a place that has famously had no talent. Uh, like no playmakers at all. So it's going to be super interesting to see if Deshaun goes there. I wouldn't want him to do it because I don't want to play him. Uh, but <laughs> okay, good luck if you go to the Jets. The last thing I wanted to, I want to pivot into two non-Dolphin things on two amigos. And then we'll just finish it off and say goodbye. And then of course, come back next week. So like you, like you brought up a little bit, Goff and Stafford switch towns. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> and uh, they, they switched towns for about a uh, hundred first round picks. What do you think? So look, listen, the NFC West is, uh, it's, it's going to be a, a great next year. You've got Russell Wilson, you've got Matthew Stafford, you've got Kyler Murray, and you've got whoever's going to be playing for the, for the San Francisco 49ers, who, which could be Deshaun Watson. Let's be honest. If I'm Deshaun Watson, San Francisco is my number one destination. They've got a high draft pick. They've got a great coach. They've got a good defense. I'm, I'm buying my ticket to San Francisco already. Um, I think, you know, Matthew Stafford is often very much underrated just because he played for Detroit. But I think he is a top five quarterback in the NFL talent-wise. And he's wow. he's a good leader. He's got, you know, he's, he's smart with the ball. So I, I can't wait to see what he's going to do with that Sean McGray offense. So the, the problem with me on Stafford is he's not a winner. He just isn't. Like, he's not a winner. Like, uh, like a top five talent type winner I've never I've never really understood why people have so much respect for him when he doesn't win games which is way more important than your talent so I think it's like this interesting I will I will root for him and I think he'll be a lot better in LA uh, but I think it'll be less because of how great he is and more because he's in a Sean McVay offense. That goes to the debate, right? That a quarterback is only going to be as good as his environment and the environment around him. So if you put Peyton Manning with that Detroit Lions team, there's no way he wins the Super Bowl. They win nine games though. They win 10 games. Yeah. And, and he did. And Matthew Stafford did with, you know, with Jim Caldwell as his coach. I think Matt Patricia was really, really atrocious head coach. And the only reason we don't speak of him as the worst coach in the NFL is that Adam Gaze was there. I mean, you know, and, and he <laughs> Um, so I, I think it tells a lot that Stafford's dislike for Patricia was so that he said the only team he wouldn't go to was the Patriots because of Patricia. Right. And I totally understand that. But like you said, some of these top five talents you put, you know, you put Mahomes, you put Rogers on the lions. I still think they win nine, 10 games and Stafford in his entire career has only had 
four winning seasons and he's been in the league for like 12 years. So I, I don't love it. I, I don't really love Stafford in any way, but I, I'm excited to see how this change will occur. And I think Jared Goff uh, just kind of, he's always going to be like the 16th overall quarterback in the NFL, always going to be yeah. 15 or 16. And yeah. that's fine. I'm, exci- I'm excited for his new start. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this card because I was reading a report that the Raiders are shopping a car around and they won two first round draft picks. No, my question is very no, simple. You. It's very simple. Do you think there's any team in the NFL desperate enough to give up two first rounders for a car? Like what has he done? That's proven that he deserves two first round, two first round picks. I don't understand that. Yeah. I, I don't get it. And I, I think that there's so many quarterbacks right now that you don't have to hemorrhage your future like that <laughs> based on um, getting a, like I said, again, a fifth, or 16 quarterback so I, I don't know I'm not into it are you what do you think no I'm not paying it I'm also not paying a first rounder for Sam Darnold by the way to those in here that think that Sam Darnold wow I, I don't think there's that many quarterback hungry teams to be honest okay well the last thing we'll talk about on two amigos today is it's Super Bowl week of course and we can't ignore that uh, I don't know just who's gonna win Jorge I think it's the Chiefs I think they've got a good defense, although the Tampa Bay defense is comparatively better than the Chiefs one. But I do think that the offense under Patrick Mahomes is a lot better than the offense under Tom Brady on the other sideline. So that's that's the clean answer? Yeah, that's it. I'm just going to always say that I don't want Tom Brady to win anything. So I, 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 don't, I don't think I know for sure who's going to win this game, but it seems like the Chiefs. And if it is the Chiefs, thank God, because – We don't have to talk about Tom Brady anymore. D- didn't it kind of seem like kind of sneaky how he got into the the Super Bowl this year? Because you just didn't even realize he was going to do it until the last minute yeah. where like I mean, he, he, was... he takes a knee and you're like, he's in the Super Bowl again, how? Yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, he threw three interceptions in the second half. Um, right. Basically, you know, Matt LeFleur gave them the game by kicking that coward-ass field goal at the end. Um, and yeah, don't get me started because that, that was a whole thing for me, but, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, honestly, I, I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes has to win and, uh, you know, P- Patrick Mahomes, I think put it better than anyone. It's a great honor to play against Tom Brady in his 150th Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's no denying the impact that Brady has had in this game, but I, I think I speak for all of us when I say I'm tired of it, please, for the love of God, not, do not let him win. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that we agree on that. So uh, in summary, that's two amigos. Thanks for joining Jorge. Uh, the two things don't trade for Watson, in my opinion, and then uh, go chiefs. Those are my two last statements. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll be talking a lot about the draft and free agency and, and uh, stay, stay, uh, keep an eye out for the Finn Maniacs uh, podcast network, because it's going to be really exciting and we're going to have some live content starting next week and it's going to be fun. For sure. Okay, that's it. That's two amigos. We'll see you next week.